Well, hey everyone, my name is Pete, I'm part of the staff team here at KXC. Over the last couple of weeks I've taken communion and been in the pan at home interview and I've got a few text messages afterwards of concern about my whereabouts and well-being. So, uh, some concerned I've been sort of abducted, I'm being interrogated in captivity somewhere in the world. I'm not, I hope this reassures you. I have a bed to sleep in at night and I'm doing really, really well. Thank you for all the messages anyway. Uh, most of them were mocking me if we're honest, but that's fine. We're in a series at the moment called The Face of God. And it's a really simple series. What we're trying to do is understand more about what God is like, the God we love and worship and serve here at KXE. What he's like by looking at the person of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. When we look at him, we understand what God is like because he's part of the Trinity. And so what we're doing in this series is looking at different moments in Jesus' life, different conversations and encounters to see what we can learn about what God is like. And today is no different. So what we're doing is I'm going to look at four little passages in the scriptures that are little moments in Jesus' life that tell us something about God. And that something is that he is with us. Really simple. That God is with us in all circumstances. Wherever you find yourself right now, whatever situation you're in, we believe that God is with you by his Holy Spirit. And I particularly want to talk about this idea that God is present in places of absence. In times and places and experiences that feel like experiences of absence, God is present right there with you. So let's go on a little tour of these scriptures. It won't take us long, I promise. First one up is uh, just before Jesus handed over to the authorities to be crucified. And he's with his disciples, which is the group of people that he spent the last few years with them. By with being with them, what we really mean is like a really intense 24-7 relationship. It's a rabbi-apprentice relationship, and they'd have been with each other the whole time. And they've gone on this huge faith adventure, the world being turned upside down in front of their very eyes. And it's been an extraordinary time. And yet here they are gathered in John 16, 7 and 8, and Jesus is telling them that he's going that they're about to lose him, that he's going to die. He's going to be betrayed, be killed, and he's going to be gone. He's talking to them about a time of absence that's about to come. And in that, speaking to them as friends, he gives them the key to the whole thing. He says this, John 16, 7 to 8, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is just a word for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus knows that in a time of absence that's to come, the most comforting thing that they can possibly know is that Jesus will be with them by his Holy Spirit. He will be present in the time of absence to come. So that's a little clue as to how to work through times of absence. And fast forward a little bit to Jesus on the cross. The very moment where all of their dreams fall apart. All of their hopes shattered, all of their expectations about how life would turn out and how the Roman Empire would be uh, kicked out, how the world would be changed, were falling apart in front of their very eyes. Going through raw loss and grief. It's a real time of absence for them and yet in that very moment the power of God, the presence of God is poured out in an incredible way to change the entire history of the world by breaking the grip and power of sin over their lives, over our lives, over the entire history of the world. In that time of absence when Jesus is nailed and physically disabled by the cross, this time of loss and absence, the presence of God and the power of God is poured out in an extraordinary way. 
Fast forward just a couple of days to our third stop and we're on the road to Emmaus. We're in Luke 24, 13 to 35 here. Fast forward a couple of days, there's a couple of people and they're walking away from Jerusalem. It says with their faces downcast. They've been at the cross. They've been in Jerusalem with all of their hopes of what the world would turn out to be like. But Jesus is now dead and they're walking away from Jerusalem. The significance there is that Jerusalem represents their faith dream, all that they'd hoped for. And they're walking away to a place called Emmaus, which represents comfort and retreat from those dreams, from what God had called them to. And they're walking away because things hadn't turned out how they thought. And they're literally on a road of absence. They're walking along and they say this. We had hoped that he, Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hopes. And they've not been met. It's not turned out how we thought. But what they don't realise is that in this very road of absence, when their faces are downcast and they're saying that we had hopes and they've not turned out how they are, Jesus is right there with them, present with them, walking with them. And it's only in the moment when they realise that he's present with them that they turn around and they walk back to Jerusalem. It could be, it's called the road to Emmaus in most of our Bibles. It could be called the road to Jerusalem. They never made it to Emmaus. Why? Because they realised that God, Jesus, was present with them in this raw moment of absence. It gave them the courage to return to their faith dream, to not give up on it, to continue in what God had called them to finally move forward even further to Pentecost and they're again getting accustomed to life without Jesus the loss of Jesus the absence of Jesus and how they can carry on with their lives and it is in this moment of absence that the presence of God is poured out to fill everyone who believes that Jesus with his Holy Spirit to form the church and to send them out into power to change the world all of these are stories of absence, of loss, of grief, of unmet expectations, of hopes dashed, of dreams shattered. And yet they're all stories of God being present with them in those times, doing a unique thing, a new thing, in the very place where they're experiencing absence. So we learn about these encounters with Jesus that God is with us. No matter what we're going through, no matter what the feeling of absence might be, God is right there with us, making the difference. And I just want to pull out two points from this, if I may. Uh, the first one is, is actually more of a question, is this. What gaps are there in your life right now? What places feel like absence that God is wanting to fill with his power and presence? What gaps are there in your life right now that God wants to fill with his power and his presence? We are living in a time where there is lots of loss. If we're honest, we're living in a time that's really marked out by absence. We're going without a lot of things. The way I've come to sort of understand this time, almost to grapple with it in my own walk, is to see it as a type of fasting. But in particular, uh, it's a type of unchosen fasting. Now, if you've ever fasted, you'll know that basically what you do is you go without something that you need or love or depend on or which comforts you. You go without it for a short period of time. And what that does is it creates a gap in your life and you ask God to fill it. So let's say you go without food for the day. Um, By lunchtime, what's typically the case is you're angry and you're tired. But in that moment, you've got two things going on. One, you've got a context for your fast. You know that you've chosen a fast. And so when you feel that anger rising up because you haven't been able to suppress all of those emotions buried down inside of you, those comforts, you go, oh, yeah, okay, God, come and fill this gap. Come and heal me. Come and answer this prayer that I'm praying. Second thing is you can stop it. 
You can stop the fast. You're in control. But the unique thing about this particular time is that we're fasting. We've lost a load of things and freedoms and comforts and people and pubs and all these different things. But on top of that loss, which is hard enough as it is, fasting is brutal sometimes. On top of that, we've also lost control. It's an unchosen fast. And that means we're dealing not just with the loss of comforts, but we're loss of control. <clears throat> and in the middle of all of that, this sense of entitlement that we all have deep down inside of us, that we're entitled to certain things, that's been exposed as a myth. We're really not as entitled this time has shown us to things as we thought we were. And what is all of that telling us? It's putting us, what, what does loss of control feel like? It feels like weakness. It feels like weakness. But what does the scriptures tell us about weakness? It tells us that God's power is made perfect in weakness. We are in some ways in a time of weakness, a time of fasting, a time of absence. And yet God, the kingdom principle of all of these stories, the whole of the scriptures is that God is right there with us. He's doing a new thing. He's bringing about life. And that his power is being made perfect in this moment of weakness. I sometimes think about like the KXC story. And um, one of the things that we've not had is a building. It's been a key part of the last 10 years that we've not had something, that we've had an absence of a building. And you know, in some ways it's been an unmet expectation. It's been an unfulfilled dream to have a building. And yet on reflection, I'm kind of glad we've never had it because we have become the church that we are. God has done a unique thing in us precisely because we have not had a building. He's poured his power and his presence into our church in unique ways because of that. We've become far more creative, far more innovative, far more agile and responsive to the spirit and far more about King's Cross and the people of King's Cross because we've not had a building to weigh us down. And I think we're reaping the benefits of that in this time. For us at the moment, many of you will know, we're, um, we're, we're planning a church over the next couple of months. And, um, you know, we had plans. And we had financial projections and we were trying to do some planning works with some buildings to try and make it all happen. And you know what? Right now, just to be honest with you, we're completely terrified because all of those plans have been completely ripped up. We're really on our knees. We've got very little left uh, that's certain. Uh, it's really a time of loss and grief. We're grieving all these plans that we've worked on for so long because they've all been ripped up. But... In this time, we've got a couple of options. The first is we could just wait for this all to blow over. We could wait for the world to return to normal, for planning applications to be possible again, for finance to be able to be fundraised. And yet, I can't help but wonder if we wait for that, we'll have missed out on something. We'll have missed out on what God is doing uniquely in this time, what power he could pour out in our weakness right now to the extent to which that we could depend on him even more and have more faith in this time because of the absence of those things with everything ripped up at this moment. So we want to press on with courage and faith because we want to, we want to have curiosity in this time, not grab for control, but reach for curiosity and see, what, ask Lord, what are you doing in this time? that you wouldn't be doing if we had those things. I love this quote from Frederick Buechner. says this, We are called by the good God to be the hands and feet and heart of Christ to each other. The church buildings and budgets came later. Maybe the best thing that could happen to the church would be for some great tidal wave of history to wash all that away. The church buildings tumbling, 
the church money all lost, the church bulletins blowing through the air like dead leaves, the differences between preachers and congregations all lost too. Then all we would have left would be each other and Christ, which was, was all there was in the first place. There's a stripping back going on right now. Pete talked about it last week. It's an amazing moment to encounter the presence of God more fully. John Mark Comer was talking about Ronald Rollheiser a couple of weeks back in the midweek edition. And he's an amazing, one of my favorite spiritual uh, formation writers. And he says basically that in, in the journey towards maturity, there are a couple of things that we need to do. Two of the five stages would be name the deaths, name the births. Name the deaths, Good Friday. Name the births, Easter Sunday. So I want to invite you right now. Name the absences. What's gone? What plans have been ripped up? What hopes have been shattered? What, what dreams unfulfilled? What expectations unmet? What gap is there in your life right now because of this unchosen fast? And then can you name the births? What is it that God might be doing in that place of absence? We learn from this that Jesus is with us in that time. Now I want to shift to a second thing much more quickly uh, to, to look at um, really how God wants to take us deeper into his presence in this time. I think one of the reasons why we find times of absence, or me personally, find times of absence hard, because I have a weak theology, if I'm honest, of absence. And I have a weak theology of absence because I've routinely painted a one-sided picture of the presence of God. I've drawn, I've drawn too strong a link between sort of entertainment and experience, encounter, and the presence of God. I feel convicted really to confess that in this time of how I've made entertainment a proxy for the presence of God. So you know those times, if, you, if you're used to going to church, you're at KXC, you'll be familiar with those amazing times of worship, congregational worship at church, where we're all packed into that building and we're singing these songs and it feels holy, it feels tangible, it feels exciting and we're all there together. And man, do I miss those times. And they are the presence of God. They are amazing. But if we define the presence of God only in those terms, if we measure the presence of God in our lives only in terms of entertainment and encounter and experience, then what we will have to do will only be left with the option to mark down the vast majority of our lives as places of absence. Because frankly, they're boring, they're mundane, they're confusing, they're painful. And so if we measure the presence of God in terms of encounter and experience and entertainment in those amazing moments on a Sunday, then the other moments of our lives that aren't entertaining and are boring and aren't sexy or dramatic, well, those will be places that we have to call places of absence. And as a way of what happens there is they become places of insignificance, not significance, and they become a, a, a fertile ground for disillusionment about God when they really, really need not to. This is particularly important right now, right? Because those places of entertainment and encounter and experience, they've been stripped away from us. We're left with our sitting rooms and hallways and bedrooms and kitchens and those that we live with. So it's really important that we grasp this right now. I think of it almost as if as a church, we could have had like a campfire model where we gather around a fire and we have fun and we talk and we sing songs and we're warmed by that fire on a Sunday. But what we then have to do is we have to walk away from that fire and go back to our tents, so to speak. 
And as we go back, we slightly lose the heat. And as we get further away, we lose the heat. And as time goes on, we lose the heat. And our tents, our places, our lives become places that are colder and slightly darker and feel like places of absence. But I have a dream for this time that when we re-emerge from it, we'd actually gather on a Sunday not to gather around a campfire to get warmed, only to go back to places of absence. What we'd have learned in this time is to dig through the really mundane, boring places of our lives to find the presence of God there, to know that he's with us in our times of loss and grief and absence and to host his presence and to know he's with us. Then that means that when we gather on a Sunday, we're not gathering around a campfire to warm up. We are on fire and we gather as a people on fire to be the church celebrating what God is doing the entire time in the whole of our lives. So I'm really excited for this time. If we can emerge from it, having learned to host the presence of God in mundane and boring places, in the places we would have traditionally had to mark down as places of absence. I really hope that that is what the Spirit is doing in our church, in your life, wherever you are. Let's pray. I've said a load of things. Uh, you may be sitting down for this. If you want to actually stand up right now or kneel or whatever it is you want to do to just engage with the presence of God. He's right with you where you are. And I believe he wants to work in your life today. So why don't you, um, you can close your eyes, kneel, uh, hold your hands out in a posture of receiving if you'd like to do that. And let's just wait on the Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit. Where I am right now, Fill this room, fill me, where everyone listening to this, fill them where they are. Come Holy Spirit, come like a grace, unearned, unworked for, unstriven for. Come and fill us afresh. With those kids running around, with you on your own, with you with your entire family, whatever it is you might be, Lord come fill us afresh and as we wait here in this time in this presence of God I just want to ask you can you name the absences of this time the plans that have been ripped up the hopes that maybe feel like they've been shattered what's the gap in your life right now as a result of this, un of this fasting this unchosen fast can you name it Lord bring it to the surface And I pray that, Lord, by your spirit now, you'd fill each of us with faith, courage, and particularly curiosity to ask you, Lord, to not focus on the absence, but to ask you, Lord, how you might be filling that gap. What new thing you might be birthing. What death is turning into birth. Come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask that each of us would learn to host your presence in the most boring of places. Lord, would you pour out your spirit on us to be able to discern when you're at, on the move how, how we could keep a step with your spirit amid homeschooling, amid working from home, amid unemployment, amid boredom. 
teach us to host your presence, that we might gather again one day, as we will, as people on fire with the presence of God from those ordinary places of absence.